to Drummers Only Radio. Drummers Only is the UK's leading drum shop with store locations in Glasgow and Leeds. Our podcasts are full of interviews, gear reviews, and much more from the unique perspective of a drum shop. The show is hosted by two pasty Scottish dudes who talk real fast. Whoa. Slow down there, Braveheart. So here's Chris, the Glasgow shop manager, and Adam, the social media manager. Be sure to like, subscribe, and let's do this. Drummers Only Radio, episode number 53. And we are here with another wonderful homegrown talent, Mr. Matt Hector. Evening, mate. How are you? Hi, hi, man. How are you doing? It's great to be on here. Thanks for having me. No, thanks for coming on. Thanks for coming on. If you don't know who Matt is, um, he has got some righteous gigs under his belt. He's currently playing for Mr. Iggy Pop. Uh, he is the drummer for Razor Light. He's played with Thomas Dolby. I'm going to hopefully pronounce this right. Guter Dameron. That's right. Yeah, that's good. That's the, not bad at all, man. The, the, the silent film... Um, which looks amazing, which has some amazing artists on it. Uh, the Aladdin Sane tour with the legend that is Mike Garson, who played on the Aladdin Sane album, if you don't know who Mike Garson is. Uh, Mark Almond and Hotei? Hotai? Hotai, yeah. yeah. He's, Hotai. A, he's an incredible... Um, essentially, he's the David Bowie of Japan. Absolute right. megastar out there and, and doing really well over here as well. Amazing. And you're also a teacher too, just to like ice the cake. Well. You've got to do something in time, haven't you? <laughs> <laughs> and you teach at the legendary ACM, Academy of uh, Contemporary Music? I'm not actually with, uh, with ACM nowadays. But, oh, okay, um, you, yeah, you I've, moved on. I've, I've kind of taught over there over the years and done masterclasses and stuff like that. And um, <clears throat> yeah, all the gigs you mentioned, uh, as you have to do in this industry, you kind of hop between gigs. So the marvellous Razorlight are now having a full reunion, so they've got the incredible Andy Burroughs back. Oh, wow, okay, so, I didn't know. I'm sorry, mate. Yeah, that's cool, man. Yeah, so, I mean, one of the things that happens as a kind of, I hate using the, you know, gun for hire. That's a crazy, that's an American kind of term. But mm. as, as a side guy, as a session kind of guy, I'll, um, I'll get brought in as and when people are needed. So um, I joined Razorlight for a couple of tours last year. Was due to do the next tour, but then unfortunately something happened in the world. I'm not sure what. I don't know, mate. Um, yeah, so, um, <laughs> and in that interim, they've had a full reunion with the original lineup with Andy Burrows and the original bass player as well, which is uh, which is incredible. And good good for those guys, really, as well, having the original lineup, I think it's a good call for them. I mean, Andy's an incredible drummer as well. Yeah, he's a tasty player, eh? He's a tasty player. Oh, yeah. Love. Um, so, I mean, just like. Reading down that list, man, I don't think there's two gigs on that the same. No, that's very true. That's pretty amazing, you know. Yeah, it's um, I've been really lucky, really. Um, uh, I've kind of, I mean, I've I've worked hard, that mm. and that's my main talent. I wouldn't say I'm, <laughs> I do okay at drums. I do okay, <laughs> but the, I think I'm I'm more talented at just being dogged and working hard. Mm. Um, and as these opportunities have come up, I've just been lucky enough to kind of grab them and. You're right, they're all very different in terms of style and what you have to do to kind of maintain the gig, play well on it, suit mm. and serve the artist. So, yeah, going from Iggy to Razorlight, for instance, although they're kind of, there's an energy thing that's very similar, especially between Johnny and Iggy, um, but one's kind of poppy indie and one's, you know, Iggy's definitely not poppy indie. <laughs> He's kind of intense punk, mm. full-on visceral energy. Mm. So both those gigs re have required different parts of my playing, or at least me to mould myself into the, the gig to make it work as best possible. Is that a tough thing to do, to switch hats quickly? It's not been something that's me been mega tough for me, mainly because I think I, I started out 
I just love playing drums, you know, <laughs> like probably most of us listening. And I, and it's still the same now. If I'm, I read a really great quote by Joe Robinson who said, if someone rings him up for a gig and he's free, he'll always do it. Mm. And I kind of, I, I, I heard that as a young guy and I like that. So I just, I'm happy to play. So I right. don't really, I'm not too particularly fussy. I don't have to play just punk music or just pop or, or funk or, or metal. Mm. I just want to play drums and make music. <laughs> so whatever comes along, I'll give it my all. I'll do my best to understand the style. Some stuff I've already, I've already had a good grounding in, but other stuff you have to kind of immerse yourself in the history and the sound and, um, and yeah, kind of get an understanding of the style where it's come from, mm. how the best players have played it and then do your best to kind of engage with that and, and, and give it a heart and soul. Yeah, totally. It was one of the things I was thinking about just about a gig like Higgy's gig. There's some, for want of a better phrase, he's a kind of heritage artist. He's been around a long time. Absolutely, man. And he, he was a pioneer for his genre and for the time that he was like, when he came to prominence in. But with that comes sort of audience so you kind of have to pay mind to like those people that bought those records completely like, bought the vinyls like there's some real sort of iconic grooves like everybody in the world probably in the western world anyway has heard the lust for life intro yeah i mean that's i mean <laughs> that was by far the the best thing to play i mean if you're at niggy pop gig and the drums start everyone knows what that is yeah you know everyone knows that groove straight away and um yeah, there's, I mean, the thing with Iggy, you know, I was on that gig, we've been doing that gig for five years. Mm -hmm. And when we started this, um, it had a whole succession of great bands. Um, but the last American band, they definitely kind of did their own take on the material. Mm. And when we started, he came to Kevin Armstrong, the, the MD, who was a friend of mine. And Kevin set out off the bat to serve that music and try and <laughs> deliver it in the style, with the intensity, with the sounds of the originals, mm, you know, not mm. slavishly, but still. So that meant these last five years, we've delivered those songs very much in the spirit of the originals. Mm. So that's kind of tempos, mm -hmm. the feel, the parts. We've really kind of paid homage to, you know, some great drummers, Hunt Sales, mm, you know, mm -hmm. um, just, you know, the Lust for Life guy, you know, Scott Ashton, you know, some of the, just the intensity of the grooves that he did on things like Down on the Street. Yeah. Um, you know, these guys are a proper legend. So it was an honor to kind of try and, you know, I could never replicate that stuff, but just do my best to, to serve it and be excited about playing the drums for those songs, man. Yeah, absolutely. Because it's like, man, some of those, sort of like The Passenger and all that, like, those are just <sighs> real iconic tunes, man. Like, it must have been Completely. a real treat. Like, how is, how is he with it? Like, is he whip cracking or is he like whatever because he's a punk right so like yeah what he really wanted on stage particularly he just wants energy yeah <laughs> you know he would you know it's, it's as simple as that he wants so you know he'd turn around he'd grab hold the bass drum literally mm. and be screaming <laughs> more more louder faster harder you know he'd kind of it's just he wants to turn around and see what's you know what he's given out as well yeah um so our job Especially my position, because Iggy used to be a drummer as well. He started on drums, right? if you know that. Okay. Um, my job was to supply that energy and to try, I mean, I never match him, but to try and deliver that same passion, that same intensity, that same drive yeah. um, all the way through that hour and a half set. 
And I'm not kidding, man. I mean, that was... I had to learn how to play drums for that stuff yeah. afresh. Right. I had to get fit, <laughs> you know. You know, before that gig, you know, I was kind of... I was not once I wasn't a technician, but I was a lot neater. And um, we saw back a video of the first gig we did, and you know, I'm sitting there, my Moellas, you know, it's cool, oh, man, I'm right. flowing. Right? It's like, yeah, <laughs> that looks perfect. And it's like, that looks so wrong, yeah. you know. So straight away, cymbals off that gig, cymbals went higher, no ghost notes. Yeah. I, I, I wouldn't say I was kind of hammer gripping the sticks, but it was a lot, it was a lot more brutal. Everything became big motions. Um, so I had to change what I did to, to, to give out that energy. You know, yeah. half the time you're playing on a big stage, you're trying to, it's a performance, you know? Yeah. Um, and on a big stage, it's not just about projecting that volume and intensity. People want to see, they want to, <laughs> especially they, they, don't want, they don't want the drummer sitting there all neat and tidy. They want some kind of, um, something visual as well. So I had to kind of develop that side of my playing. Yeah, I mean, I watched the, the, the video that's on your site, the first one that's up, and there's like, um, I think it's about 20 minutes of a festival. Ah, uh, probably, was that the one at... Um, I want to be your the, dog. Oh, Sydney Opera House. Yeah, sorry, yeah, yeah that's it. Yeah. And um, the energy he comes just running on the stage with. Yeah. It's like, Jesus, man, this guy is not here to mess around, is he? Like, he's, right. here, to, he's here to go. Did you have to, like, how did you, how did you, can you practice that? Like that energy, is that a thing where you get in a room on your own and, and, and put those tracks on and just work it out or is you know, it just in the gig? No, I mean, we had to, I kind of learned on the, on the job a little bit in terms of, it wasn't so much the energy, mm -hmm. I mean, which, which came over time. It was, it was the thing with him was learning not, because not to kind of give everything in the first two songs mm -hmm. or at least not, you know, you have to look like you are mm. because with, 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 when you've got Iggy Pop on your bass drum screaming at you, <laughs> you know, I'm like, yeah, yeah, you know, you kind of fight back. Yeah, we're going to. So if you're not careful, you're three songs into it and you're exhausted. Yeah. So I learned that. I learned, learned quite quickly. If I didn't at least internally save some energy, I'd be gone within half an hour because his sets could be an hour, hour and a half sometimes. And they're all, it's pretty intense start, yeah. start to finish. So I had to learn how to look like I was always going crazy, but saving some back, yeah. you had to pace yourself. Because, you know, it, it's not, it was not a technical gig. It was, like I keep saying the, the word visceral, but that's a good description of it. It's, it's um, physical, it's passion-filled, it's energetic, there's aggression in there as well. And if you just give that off the bat, you, you, you're never going to last that amount of time. So I had to learn how to do that. Do you ever feel like you're fighting the cat? Oh, yeah, all the time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, so... I mean, apart from the stage was loud, right? Um, so we have we have monitors, and we don't, we're not on ears for for something like a gig. Obviously, it's for proper rock and roll. You don't mess around with ears for that kind of nonsense. Um, <laughs> and he'd have a, two side fields that was essentially another PA pointing onto oh, stage, wow. and he wanted to be enveloped. You know, he wanted to feel the sound from everywhere. Wow! So I've got a double Ampeg stack next to me. You know. My, massive guitar amps and you know a lot of the time i'm hitting the tom and hitting drums and i i can't i'm not hear, hearing them anywhere near from the drum wow. it was just it was really physical so you're not only fighting because even with, with the best technique in the world you know you can't get any more volume out of it and physically hitting it, it's not gonna make a difference but you can't mm -hmm. <laughs> you forget that so i'm battering the hell out of these <laughs> these big drums you know the last the last kick was was a 26 inch 26 inch kick right. 14 and 18 Jesus. big symbols nothing below 20 inch wow 
So everything's big, everything's far away, and you have to batter everything. So it felt like it did feel like a fight. Yeah, yeah. I mean, which, which is no which where I came from before as a drummer. That you know, I just wasn't like that at all. So you know, bigger sticks, bigger everything, louder everything, <laughs> and you know, kind of you, you leave everything on the stage with him. Yeah, right. I, I feel it feels like you've got to absolutely implicitly trust the front of house boys as well. Or girls like oh. the front of house team, you know, because if you can't yeah. hear a tom that's right in front of you, yeah. like, do the audience hear it? And then that has the game, the mental game of like, I'm gonna have to hit this harder. Yeah. No, I mean, I mean, luckily, it's kind of my brain cells, my few the few brain cells I've got were kind of <laughs> taken up by, you know, not messed up the arrangement, hitting it hard, making sure I kept an eye on what's you know what was going on, on stage, and so I mean, we had a really great. Max Bisgrove, an incredible front house guy. Mm. In fact, the whole team had been with Iggy actually for years before us. So right. it was a well-oiled machine. It was a good, it was a it was a really good family. So good. Um, you know, I'm good guys. You I noticed as well. I think do you, do you run some electronics on that gig too? Only so with it being Iggy, obviously the last thing you want is is, is a lot of samples going on. So yeah. every now and again, I'll have some, a tambourine here or there. On, on Lust for Life, a tambourine comes in on the back beat. I yeah. know. Halfway through the first verse, but my god, it makes a huge difference. Really? So that, yeah, yeah, massive. If you listen to the original, you'll hear it when the tambourine comes yeah. in. Um, and just little organic things like that that I could trigger off. And I had an SPDSX mm-hmm. in a flight case that you couldn't see, so it didn't look like there was loads of electronics everywhere. So I had I had some samples going off, but all very, I say samples, they were, they were things like tambourines, claps, yeah. hand claps. We do a song called um, 1969, and there's a um, a backbeat hand clap, which we'd have running as well, just because right. we couldn't do it without with with the amount of people on stage. It was quite a small band, but um, but by no means tracks or any of that kind of nonsense. Just yeah, just it just surprised sense. me to see anything at all yeah. in the rig. Yeah. You know, I, I thought it would have been like back to his, his basic old school yeah. punk vibe as it can be. You know, I mean, pretty, I mean, apart from I mean, I was the only one that's kind of stuck with any of that kind of stuff <laughs> in every other way. You know, I mean, I still laugh. We still, I said this the other day, I bumped into uh, Josh Grain, who's his long-time, um, Iggy's long-time roadie and also doubled as a drum tech. Um, and uh, we used to laugh. We'd turn up to festivals, you know, we'd quite often be either headline or second from top or whatever. And we'd turn up and, you know, these great bands like the Arctic Monkeys would be there perhaps or some other massive, massive band. There'd be like 10 Arctics you know, all mm. full of backline, all full of production. <laughs> and literally, Clyde, our driver, would turn up with the transit with our gearing. Brilliant. You know, that was it. So we'd just get, you know, it'd be like a, f- a four-piece band, gear on stage, that's it. Nothing else, you know, apart from one couple of samples. So that was, it was really all about, all you need with Iggy is Iggy. You don't need fancy lights. You know, you don't need lasers. You just need him on stage with a band playing the songs well. And that's what we did. You've got to love that, man. Oh, it's brilliant. It's so it's refreshing. Just, it's just, it's, I mean, but that is the rock and roll thing, you know. I mean, just making a noise, just just four of us with Iggy yeah. singing. And that, that's, I mean, there's nowhere to hide with that, no. you know. And, and and that does double up the fact that you have to bring it and you have to bring heart and soul to it. Because if one of you's kind of just not quite there, then that's caught of the band gone. There's no tracks, there's no singers, you know, there's no lights, it's the band and that's it. Yeah, and you don't want to be the guy that's not bringing it either. Oh, no. Because <laughs> there's like another three boys being like, come on, man, like, like yeah. on your key. I'd imagine that it's, as much as these bands are, are, are units, you've got to, you've got to bring it because you're just going to let them down otherwise, eh? It's, it's a proper completely. team, you know? Yeah, team. And, and 
you know, every, every gig has felt like an honour to be on stage with him, you know? Yeah, yeah you know? I mean, I'd imagine it was pretty amazing, man. Pretty amazing. Yeah, yeah. Um, so before that, it was um, Thomas Dolby. Yeah. And that's like Mr. Electronics, right? Yeah, so that's complete opposite. Utter, <laughs> yeah. utter opposite. <laughs> yeah, so that was... Um, so the first tour I did with Thomas was completely electronics, no acoustic drums whatsoever. Nothing? Nothing. Wow. I think it was a TD20 at the time, which was the latest Roland kit then. And it was, it looked like the Starship Enterprise. I had like pads everywhere. I had a SPD at the time. <laughs> I think I had um, an SP30 as well, a computer. I was surrounded <laughs> kind of in the round by electronics. Everything was a switch turning something on off. Um, and that was really, apart from the fact that Thomas's music is predominantly electronic, he really liked the idea of being able to control the sound to, to, to the minutiae of every gig. Really? So, yeah, I mean, that was insane. And that's, um, I mean, I really learned about my sampling and electronics on that gig completely. But yeah, the utter opposite, completely precise. The um, musicians were incredible on that, in that band. Thomas mm. was incredible. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, apart from the fact he's an incredible musician and songwriter, he's an incredible producer as well. You know, he produced Prefab, Prefab Sprout, Steve McQueen, a really famous album. Yeah. He's produced um, Joni Mitchell. Um, oh, oh, wow, okay. Yeah, so he's he's like a an audio guy. He's incredible. Yeah, so, legit. Yeah, completely, man. We did, a, we did the first session I did with him was at, was at Real World um, for his album. And the engineers there said, well, yeah, we were chatting off, said, his ears are incredible. <laughs> he is everything so we're learning off of him and these, you know, these are some of the best engineers in the world yeah that, that must be exciting for everyone so okay so you're like say you're a young guy or girl and you're getting into the industry and, and, and someone hands you a gig where you're like yeah bro you're not playing acoustic drums at all yeah like surely uh, <laughs> it's a bit of a squeaky bummer where you're like alright I'm going to have to learn really fast pretty much that was that was exactly what happened and um, I mean the thing thing about these things when they come up and they're challenging and it's like oh my god how am I going to get over this um, there's so much to do I've got to learn so much I've got to get this I've got to learn this then I've got to play let alone all the other stuff mm. around it and I've come to realise that's the best spot <laughs> when everything's <laughs> crazy when everything's I've got so much to learn I've got to play this better I need to check this chart I need to get this bit of key when you feel like you're in a hurricane I now know that's where I'm really happy <laughs> Right. You know, that's... Amazing. Yeah, because it's the kind of... Although it feels like you're stressed at the time, <laughs> you're stressed because you're doing the thing we all love to do, you know? And, you know, I've been really lucky to make a living out of playing drums. And, you know, there's not been a single day where I've not been grateful for that. I think it yeah, shows that it? you care too. If, yeah, if you, I mean... You know, like, because if you were blasé about it, you'd be as well going to pull pints or something. Well, absolutely. And... I mean, I'm, I'm sure I'm like a lot of guys that, that do this. That um, I can't, I can't imagine doing anything else. I don't mm. want to do anything else. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. This doesn't. None of this feels like work. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm sitting in a studio full of drums. Uh, they look you know, great this, is, too. this is this isn't this isn't a job. This is not no. a proper job. No. You know, so if you're not grateful for that, um, then yeah, like you say, go and do something else. Absolutely. And uh, Here's the cool thing as well, like a gig like that, man, just means that there's some strings to the bow that you didn't have and you spend five, four or five years playing on those tours, recording gigs, yeah. recording live albums and then before you know it, you're like, oh, that yeah, I can do that, man, I did that, that's easy, yeah. you know, yeah, I've done, yeah, tick, like, like and, you yeah. know, and, and there's a bag of tricks now that if, if an artist calls you and it is all production, 
Yeah. You're not going to freak well, I mean, out. That, I mean, that, that worked. That was an advantage for me with when I did Gutta Dameron. So mm -hmm. the Gutta Dameron show, um, in essence, we were, so there's this incredible black and white film shot um, by a friend of mine, Bjorn Tagamos. And he, Bjorn managed to get, he's an incredible photographer as well. He managed to get just about every big rock metal star in the world <laughs> on this film. So, you know, Iggy, uh, Henry Rollins, Grace Jones, Josh Homme, um, Slash, um, Tom Araya, you know, um, it just it just goes on. Yeah. Um, so he put these crazy people in this film. And then we supplied on a live stage the soundtrack, playing all the music to this film. Now, sometimes you could see us through the screen. Sometimes the screen would come up and we'd play. But that whole thing, because we were playing with a film, we were completely synced to the film. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. when we started that, uh, myself and Kevin, who's Iggy's MD as well, he's the musical director of the film. I ended up being the tech guy. We had to basically build a logic project that synced exactly with the film with clicks for me mm -hmm. so we could start and stop. You know, sometimes we have to stop mid-song for a gunshot to go off, you know. Mm. So the whole thing was really technical. And the whole Thomas, the Thomas gig definitely helped me with that with my appreciation of MIDI and running technology live. Mm. Um, and without that experience, the Gutter Dameron thing, I mean, it would have been fine, but I was able to bring a technical perspective married with my musical understanding to that gig, which helped make it happen. Yeah, totally. It's got to fit with the vibe too, because you can't bring a conductor on a show like that. It's just not the vibe yeah. because it's a rock show. So it, yeah. it's like, it feels like it's quite close to theatre. Yeah. Obviously completely. because there's moving pictures and all that, but you can't have someone up the front waving. It would just look really weird, man. No. I mean, we had, I mean, I mean, we funnily enough, we had at certain points, they'd have kind of like a, a demonic opera singer appearing and they had, they had monks kind of wandering across the stage it was it was very much you, you're right it's like a theater thing I and mean, we did download with it um and also Isle of Wight actually and people absolutely went mental for it i mean if you can imagine the whole um, a, a big stage the whole stage being covered by this screen mm -hmm. um with a mental kind of metal rock and roll band playing the music at the same time <laughs> and lights and, and pyros and and kind of weird monks walking around when we did the premiere in london they had monks out the front and as people kind of came through they put charcoal crosses on their head oh, you know it was really it was just kind of hammy but really fun yeah and and it's not something you're gonna see every day no yeah i think so i think it's such a big show i think there's still so we had a big long period of, of working with it um, I think they're looking just for another outlet for it at the moment. It could be something like a Broadway show or something in the West End, and that, a, a place where it's kind of resident. I think. That's sorry, sorry, I meant like um, more of that kind of filmy performance arty vibe. You know, where you're, you know, like a different film maybe, or like you know, provide that, like I, you know, do Nosferatu or something, and and, and play along. Yeah, to that. I mean, there's been a f there's been a few of those things about, isn't there? Because I've done. Didn't they do it with Star Wars or something like that with an orchestra? Or oh yeah, I mean, like I, I saw Blade Runner recently with a live band. Oh, wow, what it, was that like? and they played like the whole Vangelis score. It was incredible. The, the percussionist, they had a drummer, and well, they had two percussionists, but one of them doubled on drums. They had um, obviously like three synths, but they had guitar, bass, they had wow. a horn, a beautiful singer. Because um, there's a track, I think there's a there's one of the tracks that's got vocals on it, and like wow. the, you know the opening of the big the big gong at the opening of the of the of the film and all that was just incredible to see, you know. Wow, it was amazing. I've seen a couple. I've seen Star Wars, a couple of Star Wars ones. I've seen, um, you know, the 
episode four and five. I've seen yeah, yeah, sure, A sure. New Hope and um, Empire, and it's amazing to watch. You know, wow. Jurassic Park, I saw as well. Jeez, um, man, you've been busy. You've been oh, this is all of, like over the last sort of five years and stuff. But you like, right, have you right. seen? Did you get to see the um, Hans Zimmer show? No, I didn't. Unfortunately, was it as good as, good as I heard it was? Maybe one of the best gigs I've ah, ever seen in my life. Jeez, man. If it but comes round awesome. again, man, you should. And you can. You and you're not working. You should go. Oh no, I love to. I'll, I'll make a night of that because I mean it looked incredible. I think. Yeah, um, I'm trying to think it, who was playing drums again. Satnam Ramagotra. Yeah, I think. I, I think heard. that's how you say his name. He was playing right. drums. Um, oh, what's the girl's name? The bass player, Yolanda Harris was playing bass. Guthrie Govan was on it. Um, wow. Do you know who Holly Madge is? Don't know Holly. No, she's a young British percussionist. She was playing percussion. So when they did like Man of Steel, they had like two girls playing percussion as well. Sat down playing drums, and the whole um, the, like there was like a thirty-piece orchestra behind them. They had um, yeah, and they did like the Lion King, where the guy came out and did the the vocal from the opening of Lion King and all that. Just and they were wow. aye, it, was, it was amazing. They played some Inception music. They played some Dark Knight score. Really amazing. Oh, jeez, man. Like, the production okay, quality is... But, like, so that stuff's really in vogue, and if you've got a history of it, that would be, be cool to do more of that, you know? Yeah, I, I, it, the, the show's too good, you know? Mm. It's had this um, kind of break. I, I'm convinced it would come back. I mean, it's it's hammy and it's fun, mm-hmm. and it's kind of... It's full of metal, you know? We did mm-hmm. everything from Zeppelin to kind of Slayer. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it went really heavy and very light. But it was just really fun, and, and also Henry... Henry Rollins came out on the road with us as well, so oh, he wow. was in. So, I mean, yeah. I mean, it's 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 funny, scary, <laughs> black black dark. Yeah. I mean, it's a it's a great show. I mean, hopefully we'll do it again. You come. It, come it, it must be mental though to do things like Slayer tunes and Tom Araya's and film. I mean, just playing Slayer anyway. <laughs> I mean, I mean again because that's that's not where I've come from. Yeah. So yeah, I remember too. I remember listening and and just jot, doing some kind of rough charts for. Raining blood, yeah. And it's like I just I think what listening like, what, what what what's happening now? Jeez, what really? Yeah. You know, it's just it's kind of like a, a an exercise in mathematics. It's you know it's brilliant. So playing that was really fun. I mean, we were that that was happening around the Iggy time when we were on the road with Iggy as well at one point. So we were bouncing from an Iggy gig and then going and doing the Gutter Damman show as well, mm-hmm. which was. I mean, that was kind of mind-melting, going from kind of that craziness to being behind, essentially behind the screen yeah. um, for some of the gig as well. But Yeah, amazing, amazing. And then you do, like, the Aladdin scene thing. So, like, some of that stuff doesn't get more iconic, does it? I mean, playing play with Mike was one of... The, he's possibly one of the greatest musicians I think I've ever worked with. I remember when we were in rehearsals and he came down for the first day, I remember the techs and our sound guys, because we had a grand piano in the rehearsal room, and... Um, he just joined us and started playing and their jaws, they were, they were behind him so they could see what his hands were doing as well. Yeah. Um, and I was like, yeah. just the most incredible musician. I mean, there was a reason why Bowie, he was Bowie's number one musician, you know, all that time. Yeah. And I mean, Kevin, my friend, who's, he, you know, he described that he could bend time. <laughs> when he was playing, he could bend time. And I really like that. <laughs> well, you listen to the keyboard part of um, Aladdin saying and you're like, does, well, I don't know what he's doing at points, you know, because he's he pulls and pushes those rhythms so well. Yeah, and he was really fun to play with. I mean, I just I remember, I mean, you, you know, when you play with certain musicians, you um, like you listen to a singer when the singer's singing, and as a drummer particularly, you're trying to listen to how they're phrasing, how they're feeling, how they're 
how they're putting their vocals against what you're playing drum wise um, and to try and just keep an eye on this working properly that you can hear if they're comfortable or not. Mm. And it's the same thing with, with soloists when the guitarist soloing or whoever's soloing, you know, it's good to be in tune with what they're playing and listening mm -hmm. to how they're doing. And if, if you can feel what you're doing supporting them. And I just remember watching his hands flying around the keyboards <laughs> and at certain points just trying to hit as his hands would come up and down, yeah. trying to hit these hit, hit these accents and pushes. It was, it was just, it was really a lot of fun and, and a learning experience for me as well, working with someone like that who's, I mean, he came from a jazz background, really, and the lad insane solo is a, an improvised jazz solo, mm -hmm. which we'd do every night and he'd do something different every single yeah. night. I mean, it was just, I mean, his mind's just a, another thing and from another place. Yeah, you look at some of the guys that he's played with, some of the bands. He's, I mean, he played with Smashing Pumpkins and stuff. He did tours yeah, with them. Yeah, and, and Nine Inch Nails as well. Yeah, that's right. But he's also then played with, like, Gary Novak playing jazz yeah. music. Like, I know. Wow. You know, just mega. You know, real. I mean, you definitely come across these the guys you in your career who you meet, and um, and they're kind of moments where you you just want to listen. Mm. <laughs> this is time to now shut up, yeah, and just just listen to what they're telling, what they're talking about, and you know, <clears throat> you know, teaching drums and teaching any instruments really important, and going for lessons. Well, that's not important necessarily, but you can go to a drum lesson and learn stuff. But playing with other musicians who are better than you, you know, always be the worst one in the room. Playing with the musicians that are better than you and listening because there's gems of knowledge there. And and even if listening is noticing that you're getting a dirty look from the guitarist because you're speeding up, well, you know, these <laughs> lessons are kind of way more valuable than how to do a paradiddle. Yeah, I remember I was listening to, I can't, I can never remember the guy's name. He's a keyboard player, piano player as well. And he played on the James Taylor tour and he would sit behind, there was a tune where he wasn't needed. Right. There was no keyboards in it. So he would just sit behind Gad every night and just watch Gad from the riser. <laughs> and it was just right. like, and it, it, it's this particular tune, Gad didn't play any hi-hats on. Okay. And like for the whole tour, he's like, I can't work out why he's not playing any hi-hats. Like, oh, fuck it, I can't, I can't wrap my head around what's going on. So they get to dinner on the last night. And he's like, Steve, man, like, like on that song, like you, you don't play any hi-hats. He's like, yeah, because I don't need to. The guitar player's yeah. doing it. Or it's in the guitar part. He's like, yeah. Man, it's just That's like, awful. this is like, like knowledge bomb. Just like so yeah. simple. There's nothing contrived about it. And it's all about, no. the mu about the music and about, like you talked about earlier about serving. Yeah. Completely, you know, and he's like, he doesn't. He's so comfortable in his own time as well that he doesn't even need to worry about where it's at. I mean, I'm, I, most musicians are thinking about their time most of the time. To be able to do that and just to relax and just go, you know, I mean, at his age, I mean, well, I suppose he's the same when he was twenty, perhaps as well. But <laughs> I mean, who knows? Um, but I mean, what a feeling to be able to just relax like that. And yeah, I mean, I mean, and also just, I mean, I think an understanding that you are a human being, and and sometimes movement's okay in the right kind of in the right the right moment you know mm -hmm. I just read the Picaro book which is incredible oh I've not, I've not checked it out yet I need to yeah man yes yeah, it's, it's, yeah. yeah the, it's about time man it's just oh okay wow yeah read it it's a it's it's brilliant I mean yeah. scary scary oh, at the same time what, yeah. what you know one two three takes maximum yeah touring with Sonny and Cher when he was still in school um <laughs> But his, you know, his thing about time, about learning, um, that we, you know, we're human beings and, we, and we, we have emotional responses to sections of music and letting them things move in the mm -hmm. right way. And I mean, if I do, when I do 
kind of teach people. You know, I often ask the question, you know, when well, you're doing that with your left foot, you know, you're keeping time, why are you doing that? Are you doing that because that's a creative decision? You like the sound of it? Or are you doing it because it's a crutch? What's going on there? So if they're doing it, it's because it's a decision, yeah. you know, and that can be speeding up as well. It can be a conscious decision to let the chorus move a bit and then bring the verse back down again. Yeah. If you're doing that on purpose, magic. You know, it's a decision then. It's when you do it and you, you're not controlling it. That's the place you... You know, we all try not to be in, and and me too as well. Still, yeah, absolutely, totally. I mean, talking about the human element of it, there's—I don't know if it's in the book, but there's the old stories of Picaro where somebody would call him for a session, and he would say no. Yeah. Like, if you want Keltner, go get Keltner. I'm not—I'm not, I'm not going to come and play like <laughs> Keltner. Like, yeah, that's just bonkers. Just go and get Keltner. Like, yeah. How many players do that? How many no, players have really. that sort of? bigger picture idea of it all yeah. where it's just about playing some tunes it's not about yeah anything else you know it's, and what's no. the best for that like the old like was it the, the, the steely dan thing where he was there all night trying to get a sound right or something yeah i mean i, it's, I suppose it's easy to give away a session if you've got you booked up for like five oh, and you're jeff Carroll. yeah yeah <laughs> yeah but but no you're right because the story was that he was he was tracking a song and i think he heard the song and played a take and said do you know what man this is just Kelton. This is just Jim all over. Oh really? So it was. It was actually even. He was in the session. Wow. And he said, "What you you want to get in Jim, man? This is completely him." So it wasn't even that he he was actually already in the session and gave it up to get Jim in. I mean, yeah. bearing in mind, it's Jim Kelton. <laughs> of course, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. going to sound great. But still, to be that confident and happy enough to serve the music. Um, I mean, that's obviously helped with a diary that's full up. He could he could afford to give that up as a, as well, mm -hmm. but still, mm -hmm. yeah, an incredible thing to do. I mean, you just listen. I, I, I play in a covers band and we play. Um, we we murder Africa. Mate, that's I, a I, I bet it's a beautiful like, thing. I bet you don't. I bet you don't. Oh, like I, I play those fills wrong every time it comes round. <laughs> I always forget which one is the big fill. I think yeah, it's the first one is the big one, and then the other yeah. two are shorter. But it's like even just like you go back and you listen to that groove, and you're like damn it just yeah. like it's not even a crash on the end like like no. coming into the verse there's just no symbols hit yeah yeah you know it's just like you look listen to beat it and you're just like which who's the drummer who's the sample you know like <laughs> you just can't it's just amazing yeah you know next no, I mean, level this this is the joy of, of making music isn't it when you listen to these guys as well and how incredible they are and you know that gives us all something to kind of aim towards we won't get, we'll never yeah. get there but still it's kind of great to try absolutely and and so you try and well you teach so you're you're imparting that on to, to people now so how do you bring these ideas and these skills that you've learned over the course of your career and shape young drummers because you I guess you've got you know you've talked about technique earlier but you've also mm. got enough wherewithal to be like Bennett it's not needed right now like yeah so how do you navigate that and, and give that to those drummers that you're teaching? I think the first, I mean, my technique over the years because of the gigs I've done and because it's not been necessary, it's kind of, you know, I'm I'm technically, I'm half the player I was, you know, 10 years ago, 20 years ago. Um, but musically, I'm still moving in the right direction. You know, <laughs> it's a constant, it's a constant journey for all of us. You know, we've got our own path and um, we all, to, to get better compared to ourselves mm -hmm. um but i suppose the young guys that that, that i come across that ask for me for advice because now i'm an old guy with gray hair um <laughs> i think I, I suppose i'm just trying to impart apart from the fact being grateful enjoying it um 
and being enthusiastic, which I'm massively enthusiastic about mm-hmm. making music. Um, it's just learning, it's passing on the stuff that I know is important now and the stuff that I know is not important. Mm-hmm. Um, and quite often, you, you know, we talk about it a lot nowadays. I think it's quite cool that people understand about being a good pro and, you know, not being a dick, getting on with people, <laughs> being on time, you know, before you play a beat, you know, being a good hang, all that kind yeah. of stuff, which maybe 20 years ago didn't get talked about as much. Now I think people are, here, are saying it enough for it to kind of be more widely understood that, mm-hmm. you know, it's not just about being the best guy with the chops. In fact, 99 times out of 100, it's not. Mm-hmm. You know, be good enough to hold the gig and do a good job, but then be a, just be a cool person, man. Yeah. Don't be a dick. Be nice to people. Be supportive. Yeah. Be encouraging. Um, you know, I, I try to put my life experience and who I am into to playing drums now. I try and sound like me. Mm-hmm. When I was young, I tried to sound like somebody else. So mm-hmm. I sound like me because of the experience I've had in lives, my life, things I've got right, things I've got wrong. Mm-hmm. No one else sounds like me. Mm-hmm. Thankfully for them. <laughs> for them. Um, and that, that's what I want people to be individuals. And so I think... I've just tried to be supportive of people finding what they do, being confident, loving what they do, prepare them to take knocks and just to go and do the best job in the world and not give up because it is the best job in the world. Yeah, I think that's like just that's gold. Prepare them to take knocks, man. Like Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, but nobody teaches it, right? Nobody, everybody's teaching no. you how to do a paradiddle and yeah. uh, like and, and how to play, you know, this and how to play that, but no one that I say no one. I've been out of drum lessons for a long time, but I, I you know, it's not until I, I was at university level where I got some actual reality. Yeah, you know, and and those lessons are incredibly valuable, more so than how to play a paradiddle. Oh, completely. You know what? We all we all play drums and learn drums to play music with mm-hmm. other people in front of people. Mm-hmm. You know, or in a studio as well. We don't play this stuff. I mean, some guys do. Some guys get a great a lot a huge amount of enjoyment from playing by themselves and you know that's fantastic and good to them but if anyone comes across my path who wants to have a lesson or whatever i tell them if i want to know what gigs you're doing mm-hmm. you know when i did some master classes at acm i had the third third year degree guys and the first thing i said to them okay when are you playing when's your when's your gig who are you playing with what do you mm-hmm. mean you haven't got a gig mm-hmm. why not Mm-hmm. you know that, that that's the most important thing go and play go and play <laughs> you know forget me just go and play drums and you need to go out and play music and make music because that's that's just the best thing in the world being yeah. on the stage creating music with other people it still makes me happy now and makes me excited now this <laughs> is brilliant isn't it it is amazing it is amazing I, I've, I've talked at length with 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 other guests about this and and we see it in the shop a lot of the time when people are coming in to learn to play and you're like oh you're playing with anybody and they're like what is that yeah. you know because even I don't even think high school musical uh, high school musical high school music is promoting it the same no. way that they used to I mean as far as I know I, that's the impression I get as well and um, it's 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 pivotal you know it changes it, I had this conversation at a gig the other day that you know learning music changes your, your brain I mean literally mm-hmm. physically mm-hmm. changes your brain in mm-hmm. a positive way um, uh, so there's benefits there beyond just the enjoyment of it. You know, there's physical, mental benefits from, from playing music. Yeah, yeah. And and the highs you get from it, God. I mean, I still, we're talking about doing your, your early gigs. I still remember my first gig you know, in Gravesend, which is in Kent, in this place called the Cellar Bar, playing kind of Marillion and New Model Army wow. with my mates. And the first, the first break, I was 
I was I said, right, I'm never doing this again. I hate it. I'm so I was so paranoid. Everyone was watching me going, hey shit, I know I yeah. know he messed up there. I was so paranoid. But then by the second set, once we'd finished, that's all I ever wanted to do ever again. Yeah. Because it's that that shared experience with other people. It's the it's that shared humanity of making music. I mean, music's universal. There's nothing better than it. Yeah, when a room full of people are moving because you're playing, it's yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool. Uh, eh? it's pretty yeah, cool. it's the best in the world. Yeah. So you'd said that you've got a new project coming out. Yeah. Well, this is so. This is something um, something new for me. So there's a company called Toon Tracks. Oh who make, yeah. Who make who make Superior Drummer. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, which is an, an incredible bit of drum software, which you can use in in Pro Tools or. Logic, well, I've got Easy Drummer too. Oh, there you go, fantastic. Well, you'll be seeing my face again soon, unfortunately. Ah, amazing. Um, and we've just recorded a massive uh, new um, sample library pack. Um, so we did this. Um, it was just it's due to be released. We're speaking. What day is it today? What is the? Uh, it's the twenty eighth of yeah. September. Tuesday the twenty eighth. Yeah. Yeah. So by the time you guys watch this. It's, hopefully it's past the 5th of October when, when this it, is being it released it will be yeah for sure yeah we recorded we went to Rockfield Studios which is one of the most famous studios mm-hmm. in the world where they recorded all the Queen stuff um, mm-hmm. Black Sabbath what's Royal the story Blood, yeah what's the yeah, Oasis um, and we recorded with it was a producer called Tom Gal- Dalgetty who produced amongst other things the very first Royal Blood album mm-hmm. um, Pixies Ghost um, Ramstein, just an incredible producer. And we spent two, three weeks there recording more drums and cymbals <laughs> than I think I think this is the record for one of their packs. So I think it was seven drum kits, about 30 snare drums. Just I've lost how, count of how many cymbals. Amazing. So basically it's a big library with these drum kits recorded in each different room in the in the studio by this incredible producer Tom. Um and so that's going to be coming out shortly. So, and also alongside that is a, a Matt Hector dark rock midi pack, which amazing man, good so, for you. That's brilliant. Yeah, it's a cool thing, man. So, um, I mean, the drums sound incredible as well. So we used about three of my Ludwig kits. Um, we had a, a staccato kit, you know, a staccato oh, kit. Wow. Which is that why it was on your Instagram? Yeah, right. Ah, well played. You kept that right. That's (laughs) brilliant. So there's kind of just an incredible array of cymbals and snare drums. So that's coming out shortly, um, and that's going to be a a really big thing for Tune Tracks and and for all of us, I think. So, so is that an SDX or is it an Easy X? It's both. It's both. So it's a it's a it's a library for the the Superior Drummer, but also a library for the Easy Drummer. But we'll chat about that later on. We'll sort you out, man. Don't worry. Absolutely. Oh, I love that program. And what's so exciting now is when you look at the Easy X's things like the mixer part of it's getting bigger and bigger so you're getting much more control now it's, it's just incredible what oh, you can do with it yeah I mean I, when the, I mean I kind of dabbled with it because you can also use it with electronic drums you can yeah. use it to plug, you plug your Roland into it mm-hmm. and trigger these sounds from your from your electronic kit as well so it's, it's an incredible thing but yeah just I mean so we recorded it was the first was it the quadrangle room um, where they record a lot of the Royal Blood stuff mm-hmm. and when you solo the mics that he's put up in the room, the room, the kind of coals in the corner, it's just it's just the most credible thing. I mean, I've hit every single one of those hits. It took ages. Yeah. In the video <laughs> where we did a kind of a making of, honestly, I look knackered. <laughs> I, got back, I filmed it at the end of, the, end of this and I've been hitting and sampling oh, drums. But mainly because I think we wanted to... You know, we did long days because we wanted to capture as many drums and cymbals as we could. Yeah. So it's a it's a really big library. 
So it's probably oh, one of their biggest kind of expansion pack libraries ever. It's called it's called a uh, Fields of Rock because of uh, the rock field thing. Amazing. Um, so you'll see that soon. And um, oh, brilliant. So yeah. So what we've done. So I've recorded all the drums physically with Tom producing them. And then there's MIDI grooves within the pack, which is me playing. Uh -huh. I played those here with uh, my Roland kit. And then the standalone MIDI pack, the Matt Hector Dark Rock. <laughs> it sounds oh, funny bro, when I say that's that brilliant, man. But, so that's, that's coming so, out I think soon. the only other... Is the only, one of the only other UK drummers to do it is Ash Sohn. That's right. Yeah, I think he did an in, in the pocket he's, one from He's his... done two. He did a UK yeah. pop one years ago, and he's just done a newer one. That's right. So Amazing, he, man. Yeah, so that's... I mean, I think, actually, I think Darby Tobb's done some. I'm not sure. Right, okay. Uh, maybe it's a session guy, but I mean, I'm, mm -hmm. I mean, he's an insane drummer. So the pack, the kind of expansion packs, Tom Dalgetty with myself recording the drums and there's my Amazing. kind of standalone thing as well. But yeah, man, so you'll hear this soon. Oh, that's really exciting, man. That's great news. That's great yeah. news. Like you, I, I, I got super nerdy for a long time about this stuff, right? So I sound dead Scottish. They're dead Scottish. Um <laughs> I, I, you know how if you look at their pages, there's some sample tracks? Yes. So I went and found as many as I could and put a Spotify playlist together. Oh, man. Because cool. you, you would never yeah. know that it wasn't acoustic drums yeah. on 100% of them. You would never know it was sampled, replaced at all. The, well, the mean, level is, of detail is terrifying. Well, this is the thing. I mean, now I've done it. You know, I mean, I've, So we'd hit, for instance, the, the snare drum. I'd hit it in the centre... Mm -hmm. I think it was, was it 12 different velocities? So, which was I, was the learning curve from kind of like the, the lightest touch to the hardest hit. Mm -hmm. And they each, you had eight, uh, eight hits each of those velocities. And there'd be like about seven zones on the snare drum. I mean, honestly, I was hitting this, just, just one snare drum. I think we worked out it was like 100,000 times I'd hit things or something Whoa. more than that. Um, and the hi-hats as well. These things took ages to record. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but that—that's the truth of it. So when you play, you know, a, a groove played by me in MIDI, and then it samples or it triggers the sounds that I play, that is, in to all intents and purposes, I played the groove mm -hmm. is me playing, and the sound mm -hmm. is me hitting the drum. Mm -hmm. They just paired them together. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's 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 an insane bit of technology. So. Yeah, uh, tremendous, absolutely tremendous. Oh, that's brilliant, man. I'm dead excited to see that now. That'll be great. Yeah, you, you get my mush on it, unfortunately. Oh, that's all right. That's you? all right. Yeah, awesome, man. That's all good. It's all good. <laughs> um, how did that even come around, man? Well, so um, one of the guys from Toon Track, um, Damien, he, he doesn't live far from here, but he also knows me from Gutta Dameron mm -hmm. um, and obviously the Iggy stuff as well. And it's just, I suppose I've been, you know, the Iggy gig's been a real helped me to increase the profile as, as a mm. musician that's that's and got a damn as well and i think they were just looking for someone um to marry up with with tom the producer in that kind of that rock not just kind of hair rock they want something darker mm. and and iggy De iggy definitely fits kind of in there but the good damn show particularly mm -hmm. playing all those different styles of music um from like i say from you know that kind of um uh, the tom rice stuff um Name now. Um, Slayer? Yeah, Slayer, thanks. Yeah, the Slayer stuff all the way to Zeppelin. Mm -hmm. So that, that show kind of encompassed a lot of the vibe they were going for. Mm -hmm. And then on top of that, the kind of experience I had as a, as a guy from the studio as well. Amazing, um, man. Yeah, and I mean, working with Tom was awesome. Tom was an incredible producer. Right, yeah. Listen to that first Raw Blood album mm -hmm. and the sound. I mean, the fact... I remember listening to that the first time when it came out. There's the two guys. How the two yeah. guys make that sound, yeah. and meeting the guy that essentially kind of carved that sound out was yeah, yeah was a real treat. Amazing. 
Yeah, that is a real treat, man. That's a, that's that's brilliant. No, that's exciting because then the, it's like one of those things. Your your sound will be everywhere. Yeah, you know, when people start to use it, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so obviously, because we're a drum store, it would be remiss of us to not talk about gear. Um, Absolutely. So, um, and that's why we're all here, right? Um, but you're you're Ludwig, uh, Istanbul, VK, Sennheiser. Yeah. Oh, like, uh, like the list is huge, man. I, I, I mean, the companies I'll kind of hook up with, it's generally because of, well, there's a couple of reasons. One, because I've used their gear for years anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and and just because of um, because of work, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, having the right equipment where you need it, when you need it, and having artist support makes a big difference when you're huge. working around a lot. Yeah. Um, so, but I'm, I'm really lucky I've got a, I've been with Ludwig for quite a while now. Mm-hmm. And um, the artist guy in the UK, Jamie is incredible. Oh, um, legend. Uh, the legend yeah, that is. is. Yeah, I mean, I'll, if he watches this, I can't be nice to him. You know, we're, we're <laughs> really good mates now. You know, <laughs> I came back off on tour and rather than seeing um, my other half, I went, I took him out for a curry to say thanks for the drums. That didn't go down well. Um, but <laughs> um, yeah, he's a really good mate. And also Uli in the, in the States, who's the head guy in Ludwig, is incredible. And, you know, I, I would play Ludwig drums regardless. And that's kind of my yardstick for when I get, when I kind of um, get involved with the companies. Would mm-hmm. I use this stuff anyway? Yeah. yeah. Because a lot of guys get caught up with endorsements and, you know, wanting supposed free gear. And mm-hmm. I'm not really interested in any of that. I'm just get interested in performing well as a professional and part of that's having the right equipment and then yeah. being able to get the right equipment so you know Ludwig just I mean I've got so that in the, the kit directly behind me there which I'm using to record at the moment is the new classic oak which oh, wow. is just yeah. punchy as yeah. hell yeah, yeah and then but then I've got down here a, a, a 60s Ludwig um in the corner there's a 70s Ludwig and also a Heyman wow. kit there now so I would regardless of who if I was with Ludwig or anybody else I'd probably go to Ludwig anyway and use Ludwig drums because they sound mm. incredible recorded mm-hmm. yeah. um, so that was just a no brainer um, Istanbul I've been with the last few years their symbols just kind of um, Freddie Sheed put me onto Istanbul oh, yeah. we introduced yeah, yeah. her mm-hmm. um, a good mate and those symbols that they're just you know, you can turn this camera off and I'll say the same thing. You know, but they just they just sound the most musical symbols I've ever played. They're not deafeningly yeah. loud. Engineers love them because they don't dominate overheads. Um and they just sound incredible. I actually went out to Istanbul to meet the guys when I when I signed with them oh, and saw them being made by hand, you know, yeah. and, and it's not a gimmick, it's not some companies would say it's the things they made by hand. I actually watched the guys in the room hammering them. And in yeah, fact a couple of the boys yeah. went as well to yeah. the factory just incredible so sorry I stole um, your thunder there what were you going to show me no no I was just going to grab so here this is my attempt (laughs) that's my attempt at at hand hammering a cymbal god it was awful it's It's happened to my birthday as well so they kind of stamped it on me as well um, I've heard it's 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 hellish like it's really difficult these dudes are sitting there they're just like obviously master master craftsmen hammering them out it looks so easy I'll have a go at that I almost bust my finger to kind of so clumsy (laughs) Um, but yeah so I mean I'm really really proud and lucky to be involved with these guys you know I call friends you know they're not Mm -hmm. and the equipment I would use regardless so yeah, one of the one of the things that strikes me about that company is things like the um, the signature series that they put out. They don't just throw it out. Everything's no. super considered by the looks of it. Yeah. You know, it's, they're not just going to make a symbol 
because they can. It's you know it has to. It feels like it has to have a reason to exist. Completely. And um, I mean, every range is very different. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. I mean, I'm completely in love with the 30th anniversary range. Yeah. Um, yeah. which everybody is, I think. I mean, they're yeah. just the most incredible musical symbols. I've got a batch from down here, which are just the most musical symbols I've ever used. Mm -hmm. um, but then you can go to the Exodus range, which are kind of bright, modern-sounding symbols as well. So they've, that they cover everything for me now. What so did you I'm, use on Eggy? Um, so I started with Sabian. And, right, okay. And then when I switched to, when I switched to Istanbul, I was using a Joey Wonka ride. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Not easy to say. 24 or something. Yeah. It's like yeah, huge. It's a monster, man. Yeah. But it's just, it's one of the sweetest rides I've ever had. But I, yeah. what the guys said when I went down to Istanbul, funnily enough, is um, they'd never had a drummer. Because obviously you, you go through, you see, you see the symbols and you pick the symbols and they'd bring them out and you'd hit them and do what you want with them. And obviously they've got a lot of jazz guys on there, on their mm -hmm. roster. And they've had some more guys more recently. And um, uh, he said to me, um, Barack, the artist guy, said to me, he's never seen anybody that's made every single symbol sound like a crash. <laughs> <laughs> so that must have brought these big rides, and I'm kind of like hammering the hell yeah. out of them because, you know, that's what I was, that's what I was going to use them for. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so those and some, some tread traditionals for mm -hmm. the crashes. Mm -hmm. um, and I was using the Onyx, not the Onyx, um, the Cindy Blackman range on the hats. Yeah, the OEMs. Which... I am, that's it, yeah, which are incredible. So, yeah, they're fantastic, man. Love yeah, them. they are beautiful. I remember hearing Warrenker hats and thinking they were like, they're just not what I expected to hear. They're just like way, way closer to like new beats or something, but they still sounded super musical. Well, this is, I mean, this is the thing about them. They're really, they, I've got everything covered, really. And I, I think the telltale sign for me is when engineers keep going, man, they sound good. You yeah. know, when enge engineers are telling you they're happy, whether that's in the studio, whether that's on the, on a stage, you know you're onto something. When they're saying it sounds great, it yeah. sound when they're saying they're not the symbols aren't dominating. They're just kind of sweet. They sound really. Can that that can happen a lot with, with some guys when you, if you bat the symbols too much, regardless. But with these, they they've got a texture to them, a kind of buttery feel, which is unlike any symbol I've ever played before. And I think it's the way they're made that just makes you want to hit the things. It's just it's just it's yeah. a, Totally. It's a different experience. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think that, that thing about not taking over overheads is super important. And that's like young guys won't get yet if they've not if they've not done yeah. recording for, uh, for you know they've not done enough sessions or been in the studio enough to to realise that can be hell on a oh, mix. Completely. Yeah. You know. I mean, I mean, you, you always have to learn as you, as you get better at playing drums and you record more that, about how you mix yourself. Yeah. And um, how you don't totally. overhit symbols and stuff like that. Yeah. But you've got a head start with the Istanbuls. You know, they're just, they're, they're gorgeous, man. Yeah, if, yeah. if you guys haven't tried them, you, you, I'm sure you guys do them. Yeah, yeah, we, check we, them we, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Actually, yeah. Sell, I was selling some today. A customer was in picking yeah. up some today. So, yeah. Um, yeah, they're great. They're great. Really fantastic. So, brilliant. Well, where can people, if they want to find you, get in touch? Where, where, is, where does that happen? Well, I'm matthector.com. Mm -hmm. oh God, whenever I say my name, if it was a little bit embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, matthactor.com. There's um, all my contact stuff's on there. There's stuff about what I'm up to as well. Um, mm -hmm. And there's email and contact details on there. Come and say hello. That'd be lovely to speak. Yeah, you do remote lessons too, huh? So if they, if they want I to do, yeah. get in touch over that, and brilliant. When I've kind of, um, I spent a lot of time in the studio recently, obviously before everything opened up anyway. But mm -hmm. 
it's definitely meant I've, there's been a lot more session work's come in here. Um, so I kind of squeeze your listening when I can in between stuff that's going on. But yeah, I still love it, man. Well, thank you so much for coming on, man. It's been a real treat. I'm really excited for your new project. I can't wait to see that. Yeah, man. Well, look, and... let's chat later about that. But mate, yeah, yeah it's been lovely to be on here. So thanks for having Brilliant. me, dude. And if you're up in town, man, you know. Um, yeah, completely. If, you're, if next time you're up oh, touring, I'm gonna come and see you. We're having a beer. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but okay, so Nathan, this, we can, we can Nathan's say we can't not invited. Now. Yeah, totally. Yeah, but I'm not inviting Nathan. <clears throat> no, we probably have one Shandy and he'd be pissed anyway. <laughs> um, so I should be able to get you it if you if you'd like. Have you got have you got the Superior Drum or have you got? You got I've got Easy Drummer too, um, but I don't have Superior. I've got Easy Drummer too. Do you want? I, I'll yeah. whistle I'll sort it out for you if, if there's one going I'll take absolutely yeah, yeah. I'm sure I'll, 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 because I'm the kind of supposed the guy yeah, in front yeah. of it I think I'll be able I'll get a certain amount of people that I'll be able to kind of just hook up with it as well yeah so if, if I mean you seem and you're into it as well I can tell yeah so I love it I've you made a, a fucking playlist man I mean that's serious <laughs> yeah, totally. I actually need to send it to Toontrack and just be like here look here's all the tracks I could find that would that you yeah put on your website that you use your product you know for, no, for people to listen to you know so yeah they'd really, they'd really dig that they're good guys they weren't sure if you had an, an affiliation with Get Drums or something at the shop was that a different no 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 we, no, we, we no. have no association with any third party software company or anything we don't right. stock it or sell it you know um, yeah. I, I mean I don't even know if it was something how we would go about that you know because I don't even know what the market's like for it if it's yeah you know so because it's all online anyway so they download it I'm not sure yeah totally I, I think there's the odd shop sell it like I know that there's that company in, in Germany called Drum Tech that they sell it but they sell like it's all they sell is electronic gear you know so okay. they don't actually sell oh, acoustic sense. drums but yeah. yeah I don't know if it's something we should sell or not you know I don't know um I don't know what the what the benefit for us would be no, I'm not in sure that if respect you know they sell direct man so it's yeah. it, it just would get when it comes out we'll let people know we'll share it on the socials and let people know oh that's fantastic that well and I'll, I'll I'll let them know that as well yeah any kind of help putting it out there all your socials be really appreciated as well so absolutely but listen man thanks so much have a great, a great night and, and we'll, we'll catch up with you soon cheers dude I'll sort the audio out and ping it to you a bit later on cheers man thanks for listening to this episode of Drummers Only Radio you can find us online at www.drummersonly.co.uk drop us a line we're on Facebook Instagram Twitter at Drummers Only UK make sure you subscribe to the podcast we're on Apple Spotify and YouTube any questions, info at drummersonly.co.uk is the email, or if you need leads, it's leads at drummersonly.co.uk. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time. Drummers Only.